This is episode 67 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This episode is with John Hartley. John is the first team physio at Aston Villa. It was great to speak to John. And I just want to say a special thank you to Tom Allen for putting us in touch. John came on to talk about his lessons from 20 years in the professional game. He also spoke about the importance of communication and uh, cohesion amongst amongst the coaching staff. We talked about the healing process and um, also what SNC or sports scientists need to understand regarding the healing process. And then also how to approach players working with private coaches or private practitioners. So John had some great thoughts on that on how he can go forward, obviously with it happening a little bit more in the professional game now, um, his approach to that as well. So it was great to have John on. Again, thanks to Tom for putting us in touch. Um, it, it was great to chat with him and I hope you take plenty from the episode. I just want to say a big thank you as well to Matt Wilmot and the guys down at MK Dons. So as this goes out, we are a week um, a week ago was our MK Dons meeting. It was a great evening, um, awesome presentation from Matt and a great insight into the work that's being done at MK Dons. Some fantastic work going down there um, and a great facility as well at the stadium. So a big thank you to them for, for having us and big thank you to everyone who came out and made it such a productive evening. Some great discussions going on and some really open discussions. So thank you to everyone that came out. You can get access to Matt's presentation. It's now available on our online community. So just go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab. If you're a member, just log in there. If you're not, you can sign up and get a free month on the community. And it is only £4.99 after that free month as well per month. We've also got our um, upcoming meeting at Rotherham United on Wednesday the 25th of March. So we've got Head of Performance Ross Burberry and Head of First Team Sports Science Adam Pulford both presenting for us. It's set to be a great event. So if you want to come and join us, go to the website footballfitfed.com, click Network Meetings and Events, and then you'll be able to get your Rotherham United Network Meeting ticket there. And we've also just confirmed this week our meeting that's following Rotherham, which is going to be up at Fleetwood Town at the Highbury Stadium on Friday the 24th of April. We've got first team sports scientists Yulma Wenny and James Barrow both presenting for us. So that again is set to be a great event. Um, plenty of people asking for another Northwest meeting, so I hope we've um We've supplied with this one. Um, I hope to see as many of you guys there as possible. So the, there is an early bird price available on that Fleetwood Town meeting at the moment. So go and grab your ticket. And if you are a community member, the discount code for community members is uploaded onto the community. So just log into the community, go onto network meetings, and the, the discount code is there for when you purchase your ticket. You can get further discount. I also want to say a big thank you to our sponsor on this episode. So Soccer Science are sponsoring the episode. They have been great in giving us a discount on the Soccer Science Conference. So when purchasing your ticket for the event, just use code FFF100 um, and that will give you some discount on the ticket. And then you can also get 
discount on. They are showing a live stream of the event this year, which is amazing. So if you can't make it to the conference, you can use, um, you can get the live stream, sign up to the live stream and use code FFF20 and that will give you discount on the live stream as well. So a big thank you to the guys at Soccer Science. It's set to be a great event. It's at St. George's Park. Um, I'm going to be going and there's loads of practitioners really good practitioners been announced already and I know there's some more to come as well so I hope to see as many of you guys there as possible and again thank you to the guys at Soccer Science for giving us a discount and sponsoring the episode I won't bore you any longer I'll give you the episode with with John there were some great discussions in this one so I hope you enjoy it Welcome to episode 67 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined by John Hartley, who's the first team physio at Aston Villa. John, thanks a lot for giving up your time and coming on. No problem. Looking forward to it uh, today, Ben. I know we're catching you at a a sensitive time for the club, being just a a few days after the cup final, but we've just been saying off air how well the lads did, and I'm sure there's a... A bit of disappointment in the camp, but I can say from a neutral point of view that it was an impressive performance. Yeah, obviously a disappointment. Um, it's a great, a great thing to be involved in. You know, getting to the you know, a, a cup final. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough over the last couple of years as a club to get to Wembley a few times, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a tough game yesterday, and um, obviously we just managed to to miss out, but the lads put in a great performance, and um, yeah, we're proud of our achievements really. Yeah, it's not if you if you're gonna lose a cup final, it's not a bad team to lose to, really, is it? With them flying the last few years. Yeah, no, they're an excellent team and a, and a, obviously a great club as well. So um, yeah, a, a tough opponent on the day. Now, I know we're going to touch on um, a few different areas in terms of your role and your experience with injuries and things like that. So we'll go into that in a little bit more detail in a little bit. But what I wanted to delve into first was your background. So I've mentioned about your current role at Villa first team physio but do you want yeah. to just take us back um education previous roles and take us up to your current day yeah um well i, I trained as a physio um at manchester university uh, in manchester school of physio and i graduated in 2000 so this is uh, i'm just coming to the end of my 20th season now in um in professional sport um so i was lucky enough uh, when finishing university to get a job at um, blackburn rovers football club so i worked at the academy there um, for five years and then with the first team there for four years. Um, and then um, for career progression, if you like, to go and take a lead in the department and run the department and uh, challenge myself a little bit more, I moved into uh, the world of rugby league, which was fantastic. Um, I can't speak highly enough of the, of the people and of the sport and um, and the welcome I got, obviously not coming from their sport when I changed, um, but they accepted me fantastically well. And... Um, and I worked with Warrington Wolves Rugby League Club there, and we had three really good, successful years. And um, I managed to do some work with the England Rugby League team as well, um, assisting one of the other physios there for a couple of years. Thanks to Tony Smith, who was a head coach at Warrington and also the head coach with England at the time. Um, so after three years in rugby league, I came back to football, and I've, I've been at Aston Villa now for um, eight eight years, um, sort of over over nine seasons, if you like, um, and. Yeah, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed being back in football again as well, and um, and that sort of brought me up to to the current current day. Um, a couple of different roles whilst I've been here, so injury prevention specialist, first team physio, um, just basically just working um, in this environment for the last 
20 years now has been uh, seeing a lot of things. I've got a lot of experiences and I've worked with a lot of great people along the way. So uh, I can't complain too much. And uh, obviously we've got to say thanks to a mutual contact of ours for putting putting us in touch in terms of Tom Allen. Uh, I guess you worked with Tom at, at Villa. Yeah, so I've... Um, I worked with Tom at Villa for a good few years. Um, when I originally arrived, Tom was an intern here. Um, he'll kill me for saying that, but um, he's obviously ax- um, done excellent in his career so far and he's, uh, he's doing a great job now down at Arsenal. Um, but uh, yeah, it was good a, a, a good, um, good to get a very different opinion. Um, someone from a very different side of things. Obviously, I'm a physiotherapist by trade um, and Tom's obviously an excellent sports scientist and you know, working together across um, across professions, if you like, is, is is obviously the key for us all now going forward. It's the, the days of people uh, working independently or on their own of well, along you know, well and truly out of the window and um, you know, working as a as a team really and having an integrated approach and working with people of the calibre of Tom. It's um, yeah, he's one of like I say, one of quite a few excellent people I've worked with and. They make my job a lot easier when they have an understanding of what I do and I have an understanding of what they do. Yeah, that's so. definitely something that I wanted to touch on with you in terms of building a, a cohesive team and how we can tie in with each other's roles. But just before we go into that, John, what I wanted to do was talk to you about your 20 years in, in pro sport. I think a lot of people, when they're coming through university and they come out with their degrees, it'll be a dream of theirs to be in pro pro sport for so long so I know it's been a case of being at, in three ma- at three main clubs but how have you managed to stay at the top level for so long and what advice would you have for, for other practitioners out there um, yeah I, I keep sort of pinching myself a little bit this season thinking you know I can't believe that I've um, I've been going for 20, 20 years in uh, professional sport you know um, you know Premier League and Super League and uh, the Championship sort of along the way um, I think the key thing is is that we we never stop learning, we never stop developing. Um, I've come across different people in different areas and professions where, and you know, the, sometimes you get the thing back of well, this is how I've always done it, and this is you know it's always worked before, or, you know, so it'll work again, or these aspects of thing. And I, and I think the key really is to um, you know even if we look at sort of the changes in the industry as you go and go over the past 20 years like you've got to keep moving with the times and you've got to keep um, pushing yourself to develop and I think sort of when you potentially stop doing that or you're content with what you do and what you deliver and and, and how you work um, I think sometimes you might get left behind a little bit and uh, sometimes look a little bit dated in your approach of, of how you do things don't get me wrong I mean you obviously need the basics and the fundamentals of, of, of how to do things but um, I think you need to keep an open mind of different things that, that come in and out of um, vogue, if you like, or trends that happen or come and go. And, um, and yeah, just, just be open-minded to, to what you can do and how, what benefits you might get from, from doing something new. Yeah, I think that's top advice. And just to tie in with that, you mentioned just previously about um, understanding each other's roles. And obviously you meant, we mentioned about Tom before, but, how how do you think that's progressed over the years? Because I I know from sort of the outside looking in that especially when we're talking about like a return to play process, I think that have been I think it'd have been fair to say that 
players would have been pushed on to certain practitioners at certain times and people wouldn't have understand, understood each other's roles quite as much as what they do now. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I mean, I think going back to sort of when I first started and you just look at like the number of staff and the um, and the expertise of staff that you had going back 15, 20 years, if you like, to, to what we have now, you know, not, earlier in my career, it was a case of very... Uh, if someone was injured, it was very physio-led. Uh, physio and doctor would, you know, assess and and come out with a prognosis and diagnosis and and, and what was going to happen with the player. And and the player would generally stay with the physio or the physio, you know, that physio or the physio team um, until they got back fit again. And there was some communication then maybe with the coach and um, his staff and the manager and his staff, sort of like where they're at and you know what they were capable of but obviously now with the development and growth of sports science and um, industry if you like and you know breaking that down even further to sort of you know your fitness coaches and your strength and conditioning coaches and the data analysts data scientists everyone that's involved in collecting data as we work through the rehab process is there's a lot more people involved in that so sometimes as, as good as that is that makes it ever so slightly more tricky that everyone to make sure you keep everyone informed of where people are at, at certain stages um and then sort of segregating to a degree the roles and responsibilities when different people get involved in that process um like i say historically it was a bit more um physio-led whole through the whole process and and, and that was it you see but obviously you know these things have changed as, as we've Learn a little bit more, understood a little bit more of what what we can and can't um, monitor, and uh, what variables we can we can look at to give us some something a little bit more objective, you know, rather than sort of artistic. I think, which is probably a bit more physio than sports science. Yeah, definitely. And what I was going to ask as well, what what's and this can be obviously this season, but previous seasons as well with your experience. But what are some of the most common injuries that you deal with? Well, in football, like we, we tend to deal a lot with hamstring injuries, um, knee injuries, if you like, for, for knee and ankles for joints and hamstrings, calves and groins really for uh, muscle or, or tendon injuries, if you like, as well. And in terms of... Um, from a S&C sports science side, what do you think that we need to understand around those injuries? Like, where is it that we're talking about understanding each other's role and obviously that leading to um, the the rehab process and the return to play process? But how much do we do you think that we need to understand the the injury and and what's going on with the process? Well, I think I think the key thing is, and, and like things that I've found in sort of more recent years that have maybe got lost along the way is um is that understanding of of the phase of rehab and the understanding of the healing process at different stages of of rehab um you know it's one of those where we, we all have the same goal if you like we all have the same aim that we're looking to get the player fit and i think probably as medics physios doctors we're looking at it more so from the side of injury and the tissue healing aspect whereas maybe the sports science and S&C staff look, look at it's more common to them to look at things that are not injured if you like the processes that are in place you know we, we know of um, you know if we run a certain distance at a certain speed that we're going to 
you know, get a certain outcome, if you like, of top speed. Where if we look at um, certain drills, we're going to improve improve someone's aerobic capacity. If we look at certain sets and reps, we're going to get specific strength gains. Um, you know, we can we can objectify that um, training method and process quite well from a sports science point of view. And I think sometimes it's the marrying up of what we know from research and education, if you like, that says, right, this, if we do these um, certain exercises or certain drills or certain um, sets and reps of an exercise or a certain distance cover, like I say, um, that we're going to get a specific outcome of, you know, improving fitness and endure, increasing endurance and increasing someone's ability of short sprint capacity and, and all these factors. But that needs to marry into it, the, the tissue that's healing. And I think sometimes, you know, that's the only thing where things can get ever so slightly, not lost, but it's that level of understanding because it's our background, if you like. We'll look at injuries from the healing process, not necessarily from the fitness side to start off with. Um, and it's just marrying those things and overlapping. And as sports science or S&C coaches, I think it's a massive thing to, to have that understanding um, of basically healing process, stages of healing, and the fact that different types of tissue healing different ways um, that sometimes doesn't sometimes gets forgotten a little bit um, just because it's not a natural thing that's instilled into sports scientists maybe when they're training and studying that gets drilled into physios and doctors when they're studying if you like. Yeah, I think that that's great, and I, that'll tie in with the relationship you have with your coaches. We talked before about the cohesive team, and for. I'm guessing for you to have that conversation with an SNC or a sports science, a sports scientist, and to to sort of educate on the the healing process, that all comes down to the relationship that you build, doesn't it? To be able to have those open conversations. Yeah, and that, I mean, look, I've been lucky where where I've worked and the people that I've worked with, um, where you know it's it's a case of combining our expertise to get the best result rather than saying, oh, no, I, I need to do this because this is my area of expertise and you can do that bit because that's your area of expertise. And it's the key thing of working together. During my time in rugby, it was a big eye-opener for me, um, being in rugby league, seeing how those guys are in the um, strength and conditioning environment. Because having been in football sort of for nine years prior to that, it, it wasn't. It was quite alien to me going into that environment. And I had to quickly learn um, about a lot more about sports science, a lot more about strength and conditioning to to survive as a physio, if you like, in that very different environment to what I was used to. Um, and sort of on the back of that, that pushed me on to do my NSCA, you know, um, certified strength and conditioning specialist um, qualification. So I got a bit more of an understanding. Um, so I could have those conversations with S&C coaches where it was that mutual level of understanding. You know, I'm no... Um, you know, I've worked with some excellent SNC coaches and, and, and they their knowledge far outweighs mine. Um, but for me to have an understanding helps helps us work together. And um, they know if a player's working with me, what, what I'll be doing. And likewise, I try to help, if you like, or try to share that experience of physio and um, rehabilitation from my my side with the SNC coaches and fitness coaches of, of where tissue is at at certain times of the healing process so we can all work together better because um, like I said we, we all have the same common goal that we want the player back as quickly as possible but as safely as possible um, to get back in training because it'll help the team 
I think that can be easily forgotten sometimes, can't it? That the sort of ego takes over and we forget that actually everyone wants the same thing. So we need to be working together, not working against each other. Um, and with that, in terms of the the process and what you've you've obviously talked about your education there and, and going out and pursuing an SNC qualification as well. So to to flip that and say from an SNC or sports science point of view, is there anything that you think that SNC or sports scientists could go either and study or any courses you think they can do, or do you think there's anything in like specifically that they could do to improve their understanding of, of your role and the work that you do with players? Um, yeah, it's funny because, like you say, you know, with regards to strength and conditioning, there's, there's courses or establishments like the UKCA or the NSCA where you can go and do specific qualifications. With regards to, uh, I've had a discussion with one of our fitness coaches and SNC coaches about specific courses that you can do to learn um about sort of tissue healing and loading tissue and you know what's appropriate and things and there's nothing quite as similar that people could go and do the other way if that makes sense so i think it oh, i'm sure there are i'm sure some people will, will, will pull us both up on this at some point then but um so because i can, i don't i don't i've not come across anything where they can um sort of do something as as, as sort of straightforward as that or as uh, as structured as that i think that's where the key of coming together and sharing knowledge between the people that you work is, is probably the key and, and educating each other, if you like, on, you know, how tendon heals, how um, muscle heals in, you know, different ways, appropriate times for bone healing and, and that sort of thing. And just sharing knowledge between you and getting a good relationship between the physio staff and the SSC staff and the fitness coaches, because it only benefits the players going forward anyway. If everyone's got that level of understanding, um, you know, it, the key thing is we're here to help players get back like I say, you know, as quickly and as safely as possible. And if we're all of an understanding, it's about sharing knowledge. I don't know if there's sort of a, a set qualification as a, a sort of I've tried to go and do, um, you know, going the other way as there is going back uh, in the direction of physio and, and medicine. Yeah, which is a shame really, isn't it? But I think that the advice to actually build those relationships and make them as strong as possible um, I think that's something that we can always do better, isn't it? And I can't remember who mentioned it, but um, one of the previous guests mentioned that we forget sometimes that the amount of knowledge that can be in the one office. So if you look around and you've got the physio, you've got the SNC, you've got sports scientists, you've got the analyst, you've got the head coach, like you forget sometimes that you don't actually have to look outside of those walls. Do you? All you have to do is understand and, and get that education from the people that surround you as well, which is valuable. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes we maybe see it as a sign of weakness when we ask these questions and we ask each other, just explain to me again how, how this works. Or just explain to me again, you know, you know, I'm trying to achieve this, you know, again from our side. I'll speak to Ollie Stevenson, who's one of our SSC coaches, who's, you know, he's, he's a great, great guy and great professional. Um, and say, look, I'm just thinking of this in my rehab, you know, what, what would be the best way to maybe get this out of him or get these adaptations and and you might say that someone who's been in sport for 20 years should maybe know the answers to these questions but we but we don't always it's not necessarily our area of expertise and and I think the biggest thing is um you know not don't worry too much about the ego think about the learning and the benefits that we're going to get from asking questions of each other um and challenging each other too not necessarily taking what people say all right that's perfect if you have a different opinion 
and discuss it and um, come to a conclusion between you what the best thing to do is. So I just wanted to give you a couple of updates on the online community. So we have now uploaded Matt Wilmot's presentation from our recent MK Dons meeting onto the community. So you can go and watch that on demand whenever you want to give it a watch. If you were there, you can re-watch it. If you weren't there, I do recommend going to watch it. So there's some great information from Matt um, on developing the ideal microcycle. We've also uploaded the discount code, our member discount code for our Fleetwood Town network meeting as well. So just go onto the network meeting tab and the code is there. So when you're purchasing your ticket, make sure you use that code if you are a member of the community and that will get you some further discount. We've also got some threads on the forum, um, some interesting debates going on. So there's one on some future podcast guests we've got coming up. So if you are a community member, go and check those out and you can ask some questions to those guests as well. Um, Just post them on that thread and I'll make sure I ask it on the podcast. There's also one on coach health. So following on from the episode with Evie, Erica and Julia, where we touched on coach health. Um, it was good to start a discussion on that and there's been some great input from coaches already so if you are a member go and check that out as well and then there's also one on the best performance environment that you have um, that you've experienced so where you feel like you developed the most whether it was in an internship a full-time role a part-time role whatever it was your reasons for um, the why that was the best environment that you worked in So please go and contribute to these posts on the forum. It's good to get as many people's views on there as possible um, and get some really good conversations and discussions going. Here's the rest of the episode with John. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's the way practitioners will evolve, isn't it? And the ones that are more open to do that, to both receive criticism, but also to question other people, the ones that are going to develop. Yeah. If if we're content in what we know, like I say, and we're just we're just happy that you know this is what we do for this injury and this is what we do for that injury, we're not going to develop and um, we're not going to come up with uh, creative ideas or creative ways of getting the best out of our players or athletes. Um, you know, and, that, and at the end of the day, that's we're we're service providers, if you like. We're here to we're here to support and you know develop players, whether that's from a physio back point of view or whether that's a sports science background that, that, that's our key goal really so the more we ask questions and the more we challenge each other and, and push each other to learn the better we become yeah and what i wanted to ask as well is you, we've talked there about the obviously the different coaches and different practitioners involved in the rehab process but one of the key people obviously is the player so how much would you involve the player in the programming and how much would you sort of educate them on the reasons why yeah, I think, like I say, maybe in, in days gone by, it was a case of, well, look, you know, from a player's point of view and their perspective is, look, I'll do whatever you tell me. You're the, you're the professional, you know, you're the physio or you're the, you're the strength coach or you're the fitness coach. Um, you know, whatever you want me to do, I, I'll do. And I think um, more so now, players are having increasingly more of um, more interest and um, quite rightly more of an opinion in, in, in what they do to their bodies or... Um, they may have done things in the past that have worked really well for them that, you know, they're, they're prepared to share a bit more now than maybe they used to. Um, so, 
you know, it's, a, it's there's obviously everything's at the centre of this is is the player or the athlete, whoever you're dealing with, um, and their opinions obviously massive. If you're trying to get someone to do something they don't want to do, then the outcome's probably not going to be great either. So you need that buy-in, you need that um, sense of ownership from from the injured player or athlete. Um, otherwise, the outcomes you get, like I say, uh, are going to be you know less lesser than what you would hope for. Um, if they don't believe in what you're doing, it's it's another person you can learn off, isn't it, with the players, and especially the, I'm guessing the ones that are a little bit more experienced that have been through injuries before. Like it's it is an area, it's an opportunity, isn't it, for practitioners to learn as well. Yeah, and I, I've been fortunate enough over the years to be involved in people from um, all over the world. You know, we have different ways of doing things. You know, from different European countries. You know, I've worked obviously with rugby league a lot with um, you know New Zealanders and Australians and um, again players now all from all over Europe, South America, all over the world. Um, they're coming in with with things that have worked for them before that is not common practice maybe in our country. You know, and again, it's another it's another thing to for us to look at and go, all oh, right, I've never really looked at something in that way before. Um, and it might be the norm in Italy or Spain or whoever you know you're dealing with, and they can't believe that you're not doing certain things with them. So they're looking at you from one side, going, "Surely we should be doing this, this, and this." And from the other side, if you don't have those conversations with the player, then you know they that belief and trust in you um, might might diminish because they think, "Well, surely they know how to do the basic things that we do in our country." And um, again. A, Every country is different. Every player is different, and the experiences that they bring to the table too is something that that you you can tap into, and that you need to you need to make sure that you're aware of. That's something that fascinates me as well. When you when you look at different cultures, different countries, you look at some of the different finances involved in some of these countries as well, and the and the sort of work that goes on um, with these financial restrictions that they don't even see as restrictions. So, And I've spoken to previous guests about it on the podcast, and, and it is an area that really fascinates me because at the end of the day, we, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to improve performance on the pitch, aren't we? And there's so many ways that, to go about it. And I think it's great to open your mind up, isn't it, and be exposed to these different players and different practitioners. Yeah, very much so. And, and you know, sometimes we'll, we'll still have things where players will go, oh, well, I've got a guy in my country and he, he, he touches me and I feel great. And so, well, that's that's great. How So how does he, in what way, you know, what, what's he trying to achieve by touching you or releasing this muscle or certain things? Why don't we go and, when you go and visit him, you know, um, why don't we go with you and why don't we learn? And then when we come back to the club, we can try and deliver a similar um, treatment for you. Um and in the past, that was always a little bit of a bit of a taboo of players going and seeking opinion elsewhere, or um, you know, getting another person's opinion as a as an insult to what you were providing for them. But as time's gone on, I've, I've tried to look at it the other way of going. Well, look, if somebody else is doing something that seems to work particularly well with you, hey, I might go and observe it and, and still not agree, or still feel that that's not appropriate, or might not be helpful, but the fact that then you go and see and open your mind to, to other people's way of working, at least you can then form your own opinion on on it as well as, you know, taking the player's opinion into account. 
And that can sometimes, like we've touched on in the episode already, but that can sometimes be about the relationship more than the actual work, can't it? That that player trusts and confides in in a certain person. So the the work they do might not necessarily necessarily be the the most optimal, and you could look at it and question it. But if they believe in that person, it's a, it's the placebo effect, isn't it? Like they believe that the work they're doing is good, so it can it can help boost them in in that. Uh, respect can it yeah very much so and sometimes it's just particularly with the, the the foreign or international players it's sometimes just that lift for them that they've been home they've they've seen home they've you know they've they've had a few days or a day there or they've been able to touch base mentally like they it's such a break from the fact that they're injured because nobody obviously enjoys being injured or sitting in the treatment room or in the gym or you know there's that element of frustration sometimes it's just that release that's actually the treatment not necessarily the person that they're going to see but um um, you know, I've had that before where I've, I've gone with someone somewhere and he said, look, when we've got there, to be honest, I know that we could do this um, in England, but I just I'm home. It makes me feel much better. And when, when we came back, absolutely fantastic. You know, th- that break had done the world of good, if you like. That, that, that was the treatment. Yeah, that, I think that can be really powerful with players. And, and it's understanding the person, isn't it? Like there's a person, we forget there's a person behind this, this, um, footballer and this name a lot of the time and it, and the, the way that the, the Premier League is now you've got players coming from all over the world and it's a very weird environment to, for them to be over here and we need to take that into consideration don't we yeah at the end of the day they're just they're a human being that has unfortunately got injured and um, you know there's a lot more factors to it than just them and the injury there's uh, the whole support system that's in place for them and how they are feeling mentally and and how they're responding to potentially having a serious injury or, or something like that. That's um, you know that's that's a very difficult thing sometimes to deal with. And that's that comes back to the point of how important it is that as a team, as a as a staff behind them trying to get them fit, is that we're that we're working together to provide that solid support system for them to to try and take that one worry away of the injury. You know the fact that look we're close, we understand what we're doing, we work as a team, and we're going to get you fit because we've done our research, we're experts in what we do and we'll give you the best care that we can get. And then look, reassures them that, you know, they are going to be okay and it is going to be fine going forward. And uh, yeah, we have to go through a process to get them there. But at the same time, the, uh, they see a united front, if you like, even if behind the scenes, you might have slightly different opinions on what's right and wrong. And that that role, I, I wanted to ask you as well, John. When you're dealing with, and it's probably more applicable for for longer term injuries, but I'm sure it's the case in, in short term as well. But that role that you'll play, you'll turn into a, a kind of a psychologist, won't you? When you're trying to keep players on track, and um, especially when they're going through long term injuries. So, how do you approach that? Like players are obviously going to have periods where they're going to be down. They're they're, they're going to feel. I suppose elements of like depression with with it, certain injuries as well. So what what's your role in in that sort of um, situation, and how do you keep them on track and, and positive? Yeah, I mean, look, all players, um, irrespective of like say length of injury, sometimes we'll go through all the phases of you know um, having some needing some psychological support, and you know I've, I'm I'm no professional or, or qualified in the world of um, psychology, but having 20 years of experience of dealing with injured players, you develop a, an understanding of 
of um, when is the right time and wrong time to push people or when they might need some support or when they need a need a break or need to um, you know whether whether when they're in a position where they're prepared to work or or they don't feel like working um, and sometimes that doesn't always mean that right you have a break and have a rest sometimes it just means that you need to encourage them in, down the road of you know this is a time look the stage we're at if we work hard now we'll get a little breather then and I think the key thing is from the player is understanding exactly where they're at in the rehab process um, what the point of the work that they're doing is so they don't just feel like oh, I'm just going through the motions here I'm doing this and I, don't, I can't see myself getting fit explain each little bit to them and each player is different some want to know more information some want to know less um, but it's that support you can give them that's that's critical and um, you know we're, we're fortunate enough here to have some um, psychology support and the network behind us so if we do need uh, further further input or further support the systems in place for the for the players but that hasn't always been the case at the clubs where I've been and um, very much amateur psychology comes into play of um, of, of, of thinking about the best way to manage a player and, uh, and how they're feeling, you know. Yeah, definitely. And and just finally, John, I wanted to ask you in terms of the tech, and I suppose this has been an area that will have um, been very different across the 20 years in, in pro sport. So what what's some of the tech that you use and some of the data that you're looking for and how does that inform practice both from your point of view but also how would that inform like a sports science or an S&C point of view? Yeah, I mean, look, in, in the past, I've been fortunate enough to do some work with um, Bow Performance um, and IPRS with regards to um, Biodex, isokinetic dynamometry, and also um, day-to-day we're using GPS um, on the players with regards to functional rehab and obviously training. Um, and in the past, we've used both um, StatSport, who I spoke on behalf of in New York a couple of years ago and um, Catapult who the club currently use at the moment um, so we're getting a lot of information back from again GPS data node board force frames force decks um, and the biodex isokinetic machine and we use that in many different ways of you know looking at baseline data that we have on the guys from pre-season um, we look at that in respect of um, match day data from GPS and, and work out a structured approach to rehabilitation on the grass. Um, and obviously the Bidex, more often than not with our rehabilitation processes of uh, specific injuries, if you like. And um, we try to be as objective as possible so that when we look to our return to play, at least we're, we're confident that we've Ticked, tick the boxes if you like and we've we've made sure that the player has the right strength make sure the player has right range of motion if you like um that they've ticked aspects on the gps data that we'll look at um to be objective to sort of say well look we think that the injury can cope with everything we've thrown at it in the sense of um function and also in the sense of um against the baseline measurements for that player that we've taken in pre-season and as our ongoing monitoring that we do in the season as well Yeah, and in, and in terms of that relating in like a, the, the, an S&C programme, is that something that you'll just, it will be like a um, a combination of, of sort of prehab work, rehab work, and then that going into any sort of S&C work that the guys will want to do? 
Yeah, so again, we work very closely with the S&C lads in the gym. So their baseline injury is an opportunity. You know, we we obviously focus so much on the actual injury. Um, the time when someone is injured is a great opportunity to work on everything else. Um, so, for example, you know, players have injured uh, and the knee on one side or their ankle on one side and. You know, it's a great opportunity for us to go, well, do you know what? In the, When we've looked at your measurements in the past, we, it's a great opportunity for us to work your opposite leg because we think, uh, you know, this was, um, there was some asymmetry there or this, you know, weren't quite strong on that side or the other side or or make sure we maintain the player as a whole. You know, it's um, that's where the S&C guys really come into their own and, um, and work alongside ourselves. You know, the, during the initial phase, it's probably more physio-led for the injury, but the rest of the body, you know, we can... We can um, we can work hard with the S and C guys in the gym so that we we maintain the rest of the player if you like so our losses um, during in that early stage of injury are are minimised as much as possible and then obviously we start to become a little bit more integrated as we then go through um, strengthening the injury if you like or the injured site and uh, and, and work together um, you know and as physios we sort of work and always have input into that and oversee certain aspects of that um, but other aspects will be led by the um, sports science and the S&C department to, to give us some feedback on the data that they're looking at objectively um, from different tests as we've gone along and just basically try to maintain the player as much as possible without um, compromising the injury at the time. And just to reverse it, John, to take you back to your time at Blackburn early on in your your career, what would be some of the the sort of key differences to the way that that sort of program was implemented with players? Because obviously we're taking away a lot of the the modern tech that's available now. So what what how would the program differ to to um, what you guys are doing now? Yeah, well, um, maybe I've been around for too long and maybe I'm a bit too long in the tooth. But um, going back to when I first started at, at Blackburn, then um, we didn't have any sports scientists um, at the academy. And we had um, uh, Nick Broad, um, the late Nick Broad, who's unfortunately not with us anymore. He was with us at, at Blackburn um, part time. Um, you know, he was our sports science input and as exceptional as he was, it was part-time. It was a couple of days a week and um, the amount of work and the amount of, uh, you know, applied science, if you like, that he put into, um, you know, those first team players. I was within the academy at the time and Nick was with the first team and um, that was my introduction, if you like, to uh, MDT with sports scientists. Um, obviously, fast forward a, a couple of years when working with the first team at Blackburn and you know, you've got at least two sports scientists. Um, so very early on when I started, it, it, it wasn't um, there wasn't that many sports scientists full time in uh, academies, definitely, and um, first team environment. So it's sort of gone full full turn now, where we have more sports science in, um, staff, if you like, than physio staff. So uh, yeah, it's sort of gone full cycle since I started. Yeah, I think those numbers are something that's quite clear, isn't it? The, the numbers of S&C and sports scientists that are involved now um, can be one of the main differences. And when speaking to some of the guys that were involved a good few years ago, the, the likes of Dave Carolan, Tom Little, uh, Mick Clegg, some of these guys are, where they were basically in control of 
implementing sports science S and C or whatever you, whatever you wanted to call it in terms of physical prep um, when it that wasn't a thing. So I think that is one of the key differences, isn't it? The amount of people that are involved, um, which again just highlights the fact of that we need those relationships in place, don't we? Yeah, and that's like you say, you've touched right there, that all the preparation, all the injury prevention, all the, if you could call it injury prevention, sort of exercises and, and programs and, and physical prep of the players and, and all that work was delivered by the physio staff. And I'm not saying that's right, that's just where we were in, you know, in time of uh, service provision. And then the change now is, is like I say, it's complete reversal in numbers of bodies. Um and um, you know, specialization in different areas of sports science, and um, you know, and, and the support team now is obviously far, far larger than than it ever was, and that's sort of shifted a little bit away from being reliant on the on on the physio staff, and um, because the numbers of which are pretty similar to when I started, really, um, in in clubs, maybe have increased from maybe having two when I first started with the first team to having maybe three or four now. Um, if your squad's large enough, if you like, um, yeah, the numbers of support have, have changed massively, and, and none more so in in the sports science side. Yeah, that's great. Now, when we set this podcast up, the idea was to get people from different roles involved and to get different perspectives, and I think that's great, and that's what we've done in this episode. And it's it's always quite refreshing to hear and. Um, people from different, slightly different viewpoints talking about the same things in terms of relationships, in terms of understanding each other's role and and, and the sort of dropping the ego. So it's great to hear the same messages repeated over and over from the guys that are involved at the top of the game like yourself. So I really appreciate you coming on, John, and discussing all that. No, I appreciate it too, Ben. It's, it's been great. It's, uh, it's been really interesting for me to, to go through those things as well. And in terms of if anyone's got any questions or if they want to reach out to you, is it is there a good place to do that? Um, good, good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether that comes through yourself, Ben, or, or whether that's direct. Um, I'm, I'm on. Yeah, you know, that's entirely up to you, mate. If you want to give out any any Twitter or anything like that, you can. If not, if any of the guys have got any questions, they can come through us and I can pass them on. Yeah, um, like Twitter-wise, it's I'm for John for John Hartley. Um, that's probably the easiest thing. Or you'll also find me on LinkedIn too. Um, so if any questions, obviously feel free to reach out. Awesome, mate. Well, I really appreciate you giving up your time. And uh, I like I said, it. I know it's a it's a tough period with the lads, but I'm sure they'll pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and go again. And uh, I wish you all the best for the rest of the season. No, thanks, Ben. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's going to be a, a tough running now, so hopefully everything goes well between now and the end of the season. And, uh, and um, yeah, we have a good season, basically. Awesome. Well, best of luck, mate. I'll be looking out for your results, and uh, we'll hopefully catch up soon. Great stuff. Thanks for your time today, Ben. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks to John for coming on. And like I said at the start, thank you to Tom Allen for his recommendation. You can go and follow John on Twitter. He's at the number four and then John Hartley, all in all one word. Um, There's loads of takeaways for me. It was great to get a slightly different perspective in terms of the physio point of view, which is why I started this podcast in the first place. Didn't just want sports scientists and strength conditioning coaches, but 
anyone involved in football um, and that's I think that's what we got in terms of this but it was great to I said to John after the podcast that it was great to hear that he sort of echoed a lot of what previous guests have talked about so it's it's really good to hear that and that's part of this cohesive coaching model that we talk about over and over again so loads of takeaways for me the the first one was where he spoke about never stop learning so always be dropping the ego sort of having the ability to turn around and have a discussion with people which is what we talk about on our network meetings time and time again we're able to have discussions with people we're able to disagree with people without it becoming a fallout without it becoming a slagging match and that's how we develop as practitioners the way we prepare for football now is very different to how we did it 10 20 years ago so we're always progressing and that only comes from innovation it comes from questioning what we're doing and progressing as a unit so that's what I took from that in terms of never stop learning, always question yourself, always always look out to other people, different influences on how you can improve your practice. Understanding the healing process as well, her process as well. I know this is a big part of what John wanted to talk about, so I wanted to get his views on what we as sports scientists, strength conditioning coaches could do better from his point of view, and this is one of the main things that came from that in terms of understanding the healing process and he gave some great points of view on that and then just finally where he talks about working with players working with private practitioners or coaches so whether it's a physio an snc coach and the fact that we need to build relationships with those guys not just rule them out and um, dismiss them but we need to keep in mind that Everyone's got the, the right interests at heart. We want the player to do well. We want the player to progress. And the only way of doing that is if we work together um, and stay on the same page. And yeah, we might disagree with things again, but we can have conversations about this and find ways of moving forward. So they were some of my takeaways. It'd be great to hear yours as well. So if get in touch either on Twitter or Instagram, we're at footballfitfed, or you can drop us an email, mail at footballfitfed.com, or drop uh, John a tweet as well. Like I said, I dropped his Twitter handle before. It's at for John Hartley. I'm sure he'd be um, happy to respond to any feedback that you got on the episode. Um, please share the show as well. Share it to as many people as possible. The audience is growing, but I do think we can reach more people. And that comes from you guys. That comes from sharing it and getting the word out there. And just finally, if you haven't done so already, it is a massive help to us to, for us to grow the reach of the show um, with an iTunes review. So please head over to iTunes. We've got a few on there already, but I get sent loads of messages from people. And um, if you could translate those ep- uh, those messages I get, I really appreciate them. But if you could put them on iTunes as well with a five-star review, that'll be amazing. So I'd really appreciate it. We've got some great guests coming up over the next few weeks. Um, recording a, a, a big couple of episodes this week and they'll be coming over the next few weeks. Um, I'm really excited. So if you are a community member, like I said in the episode, Go and check out the the post on upcoming podcasts and you can get any questions that you've got for some of these upcoming guests to those those guests and I'll put the questions to them. Um, But I'm really looking forward to bringing you these episodes over the next few weeks. Again, thank you to uh, Soccer Science for sponsoring the episode and I will speak to you again next week.